0: Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly, along with Chuck Davison, I'm Lyle Stokes. Uh, tonight's show is presented by Whisker Wear Apparel. We have a couple of things to talk about um, before we get involved with our guest tonight. Um, you want to take off on that, Chuck?
1: Oh uh, Yeah, um, if everybody remembers the big Christmas giveaway, um, Scott Woody <laughs> won that. He's been on. He's been. He's watched the show every night since we've been on. Uh, He always comes on, tells us how great a show we've done. He's really, really a good participant. Um, His father has been diagnosed with uh, malignant brain tumors. They found eight of them, uh, six to eight, they believe. He's got to go through ten rounds of radiation. He's already received three. Um, His father's name's Larry Woody. you know, and he's he spent a lot of time with Scott doing outdoor things and all that. So um, Scott's a big part of the the Catfish Weekly family. So if everybody would keep Scott and his father both in, in your prayers, uh, that would be great. And uh, I want to congratulate uh, Jonathan and Jackie uh, Cooksey uh, from Cronus, Mississippi. They, they came over and fished the... Um, The Wheeler Tournament with Alabama Catfish Trail Saturday night, uh, they brought home a first place. Their father-son team uh, sponsored by Bottom Dwellers Tackle and uh, some of the greatest people you'll ever meet. They're really down to earth. I hope I can fish with them some more. And um, we had a a, a good group of people show up. Uh, The the tournament's getting bigger and bigger, but we just had a ball at that tournament, and weigh in at 2 of the morning was just so much fun. It was great. Um, that's about all I got Lyle
0: well I'm I so proud of Daniel for the what he's doing down there with that Alabama Catfish trail he's doing an outstanding job uh, it appears to me that his participation level is growing uh, to where he's doing at least as good or better than some of the bigger uh, groups that has tournaments in that area And he, he runs them professionally and is just doing an outstanding job and kudos to him for that um many of you know uh, a lady that's been in catfishing industry with us online on different forums and and talks and things for years her name's is Glenda McFarland Glenda lost her bro- brother last week and uh, anybody that gets a chance might send her a note I know it will make her feel better she watches the show uh, whenever she can she's an outstanding lady makes some of the most beautiful trophies for not only catfishing but other sports uh, and she's down in Arkansas and I know she'd appreciate it if somebody, if you just drop her a note. Um, some buddies of mine over in Springfield, Illinois, have been tearing it up this year. They actually uh, won a tournament over there over the weekend and I want to give a shout out to Bill Parfit and Jason Rath. Those guys have been on fire. Um, they're not nationally recognized as In the circles, but these guys are tough everywhere they go. And if you go to Springfield, Illinois, you're going to deal with them and they're going to hurt your feelings if they get a chance. And they usually do, you know, they always do me. But uh, for some reason, I struggle over there. But there are a couple of really good guys, and and they have really been putting some quality fish in the boat on that lake. So, congratulations to Jason and Bill. tonight we're very fortunate to have one of the premier fishermen in the nation with us Carl Morris Jr. Uh, again uh, set him on fire this weekend in uh, Cabela's tournaments I believe and thank you so much for spending your time being on the show with us Carl we really
2: appreciate it no, thank you Lyle for the invite I appreciate it
0: we uh, we try to get as many uh, people on as we can and, and uh, when I find guys like you that are willing to do it and have the setup it makes it a lot easier there's a lot of good people that we've asked to be on the show that they can't because they either have poor internet connection or they don't have webcams or whatever and uh, if we do it by, re- by telephone, I have to sit there and hold the phone up to the speaker on the webcam, and that gets, you know, that's, it's really hard to do, and my phone will run dead. All kinds of things go wrong. So uh, <laughs> I was just thrilled when you agreed to do this. And I know Chuck's got some questions for you, so I'm going to turn it over to him, and
1: you guys can have at it. All right. Thanks, Lyle. Yes, sir. Hi, Carl. How's it going, man?
2: Not too bad, Chuck. How you been?
1: Good, good. Ah man, how do you do it? Tell us. No, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we've been following. You know, everybody mostly follows the uh, the Cabela's and the Bass Pro Series stuff, and um, you know, pretty much uh, the, your name is consistently in the top three. A very recognized fisherman, you know, throughout the nation. Um, mm-hmm. How how do you balance yourself so well? Uh, you know, from, from work and fishing and, uh, you know, keep it where you can, uh, you know, concentrate on work, you know, and still do these fishing things and um, all that.
2: Well, I'd say the biggest thing there is is I've got uh, some good people behind me, Chuck. You know, I mean, I've got a good, a good woman with Amanda who uh, helps take a lot of burden off me on things. And uh, without her, she makes she makes a lot of this catfishing happen as well. <laughs> so she takes care of the uh, the dirty work, getting me to where I'm going and uh, getting me set up so I can focus more on just the fishing part. Oh,
1: that's great. Um, do you, do you ever get her out on the water and uh, put her on some pigs?
2: Uh, every once in a while, she we, she usually makes a trip to Alabama with me at least once a year, just me and her, where she gets to go out and fish. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, um,
1: when there's a big tournament being organized for next year on the Mississippi River, and it has potential to be one of the biggest ones ever that's ever been put on, um. What do you what do you think about the uh, location and the timing of everything on this uh, event that's being planned out there? What's your thoughts on it?
2: Man, I think that the uh, you know, right time of year could be a big bite, could be a great tournament. I mean, you've always got the challenges of the Mississippi to deal with in planning an event that size, you know, water level, up, down, boat ramp access, and all that good stuff. So it you will know, be an interesting uh, layout to see how things uh You know, work out because unfortunately you're kind of at the mercy of Mother Nature and what she does months beforehand. You know, as far as how that goes, but I tell you what, uh, that time of year it could be on fire down there and it could be a ball of fun. So I'm I'm keeping my eye close on that one.
1: I hear ya. You know, that's that's the kind of thing I like. You know, the the monsters, the Ohio. I've only been able to go once last year, and now I can't wait until every year I'm gonna be going. you know the fisheries not the best in the world but anytime you can get together with a bunch of cat fishermen and go out and have fun everybody's got the exact same chance to do the same thing so you know everybody's on equal grounds anyway
2: oh um, I tell you what I when I went to monsters it's been uh, four years back when I started going I mean that's always been one of our favorite tournaments every year I mean it's just it's been a well-ran tournament like you said there's no other tournament right now you know, at least in you know my neck of the woods that I can get to, that you get that many fishermen from all across the United States that, you know, you meet a lot of good people. And, I mean, that's one of the things that I enjoy about catfishing is, you know, sometimes just the parking lot talks, you know, part of the best time. So, I you know, I, I enjoy meeting a lot of new guys. And, you know, I've learned a lot of things sitting at a tailgate at 11 o'clock at night in a hotel parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: When was your first time you uh, remember being in any kind of your, uh, you know, a a big uh, magazine article or a newspaper uh, ad or anything like that when when you really placed good in a catfishing or, or just plain out did an article on catfishing?
2: Well, it was after – it was 2012. We had a pretty good season in 2012 where we won a few tournaments and uh, we got the Angler of the Year in the championship uh, through Cabela's that year. That was when I got to do the first In Fisherman article. I know I was tickled to death when I got the phone call. You know, I'd never done anything like that. and You know, that was that was uh, kind of like a crowning achievement at the time. You know, I was just – that tickled me to death. So I'll say 2012 is when I did the first serious anything, so –
1: yeah that's great. It you know it's it was you know y'all just came out of nowhere you know by storm and um, it's great you know the, y'all and the the Messingales and uh, you know a bunch of guys like that they're that the best in the country you know when they all get to the same place together and get to compete against each other I mean it's just even if you're not there I'm like when are they going to post the results you know <laughs> Um, You know, if we can ever get this thing on on television and and get it in front of people on Saturday and Sunday mornings when they're sitting around, um, I mean, it's going to be a hit, and I I just cannot believe it has not got to that level yet. You see it every once in a while on an outdoor show or something, but, man, if they could just do a tournament song, you know, just
2: like the Bassmasters. Yeah. No I'm tell i I agree wholeheartedly if you know if they could get you know if they could get monsters on the Ohio, you take that tournament setting right there you know you you film that and I mean it, people would love to watch that now you if you could get some of that size tournament down somewhere you know like you said you know, if you get that down in Alabama on Wheeler Lake or you know over the Mississippi River where you know they're pulling some big hogs out I mean people would tune into that. I really agree it's just you know there's been several attempts just it seems like nothing's ever got any feet underneath of it yet.
1: Yeah, um, what, what's your favorite uh, stop on the National Trail, uh, your favorite place to go that you know, got the best five fish limit you know, <laughs> where, where you can just really blow it out?
2: oh man that that is that's tough Uh, New Madrid um, Crystal City uh, Missouri Um, Crystal City Missouri is one of my favorite places to go Um, we've been going there we fished it with Cabela's I don't know it was 2008-9 before we even knew what we were doing out there I mean we went to Crystal City the first time I got on that river for the very first time and I didn't know what the heck to do I was tying so many leaders I think we caught in three days we caught one fish for five pounds and uh, Yeah, I, I left there. Had a, I fl- hit a buoy going down, drifting down the river. Wasn't paying attention. Got a red buoy. Yeah, I, it was all bad, but uh, I, that was my first stop, and I told myself then I was going to figure out how to fish it. I finally figured out how to fish Crystal City.
1: <laughs> all right, I heard that. Yeah, there's some really good weights out of that Missouri River. It's one of the you know best places in the United States to really go and uh, catch some really nice fish. Um, do, do you fish it, uh, any local events besides the Monster, the, the Rising Sun, or any of those? Is there any of those tournaments you really look forward to every year that you make sure you frequent?
2: I, I don't fish, I haven't got a chance to fish a rising sun, you know, no no reason, It just it's always been a scheduling conflict, I mean, I, I fish a couple local tournaments on some lakes up here, you know, they're not nationally known tournaments or anything, but uh, there's a couple of channel cat tournaments that uh, I've hit for <laughs> probably 10 years now that I still go religiously hit every year, but, uh, you know, none, none of the big ones around here at all besides monsters.
1: Great, um, so w- w- when you... When you go to these uh, the the tournaments, you have to travel the most. You know, when you try to hit, uh, you know, out the, the James River, you come down and hit Wheeler. Uh, what how, what what kind of system do you set up where you say, well, I'm gonna try to uh, budget my my tournaments by two a month, by three a month. Uh, how do you go about doing that to keep a good balance?
2: Well, t- typically I look at the schedules. I I, I usually predetermine the tournaments we're going to fish usually by the first of the year. Um, we sit down, we look at the schedule, you know, because I mean, you know, I run a landscaping company, so a lot of times my winter time, you know, is pretty well um, at the mercy of snow removal. So. I can't do much in the winter, so and then spring is a little tough until I get into you know late April, early early May. And we look at the tournaments. You know, this year we was fortunate. We had uh, several Cabela's events right in our backyard. We had three on the Ohio River here. I mean, all within about one hundred and fifty miles of me. So that you know that made this year. We fished more tournaments this year than what we normally would just due to the fact that they were so much closer for us. Um, but we predetermine it, like I said, at the beginning of the year and kind of nail it down so we can start studying the water all throughout the year. So,
1: Yeah, the, the, I was going to ask you that. A lot of places I know you, you know, you don't get to show up and do all the pre-fishing you want, especially if you go somewhere for the very first time. Um, do, do you get on Google Maps and uh, your Navionics and just sit there and study and look at the <laughs> – topographical
2: and the and the everything I, I'm probably actually a borderline freak with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I spend many an hour on the couch with my iPad and my Navionics app um, just there in the river, flipping back and forth, looking at contours, you know, and just, you know, a lot of times, you know, what, like you know, last week, we had 100 miles of river we could fish from Memphis all the way up to Dryersburg. I had never been on that section of the river once, you know, so trying to pick, you know, that spot you're going to fish, you know, on Saturday, out of a hundred miles of river, it's something you can't just pull out in a boat ramp and say, "I think I'll go this way." Yeah. You know, you you got to have some sort of a you know clue of, of you know what general vicinity you want to go in. And you know, sometimes I'll look at a map and you know I'll sit there and I'll tell you know my partner, "Hey, that's the spot. There, that's where they're going to be at." we pull out on the river and look at it and no, that's not the right spot (laughs) you know but we'll have you know we'll pick usually seven to eight predetermined areas that we want to go look at Um, you know kind of narrow it down and you know hopefully that you know one of those areas or close by because sometimes it might be not in that exact area but you go up another mile or down another mile you'll you'll find what you're looking for but you know it's really trying to be prepared and nail it down because like you said we just don't have the time you know we get out there you know and we get a day on the water when you got a hundred miles and you know ten hours of daylight, you know, to, to be able to get out there on it, and look at it, and get to a meeting, you know, it's pretty tough.
1: So it, it it there's a whole lot of more work involved than just what you do in the boat. Um, you know, do all your research, all your homework. Um, you know, it make sure your gear is always in top equipment. Um, yeah you got any more tips that you'll let these guys know that you know to help with preparation you know mentally and homework wise that could really help them uh, succeed in tournaments
2: well I mean I I think the biggest thing that uh, you know we've always done is just be prepared you know I mean there's there's a lot of time it goes into things kinda of like you said getting gear set up you know shoot leader time you know you get down there in Mississippi River you you know automatically you're probably gonna go through a X amount of leaders you know just because if you're down there unless you're pitched in an area that you know real well you know we we go down we you know we we nail down the mapping you know so we look at it so we're not wasting time on the water you know and in, in areas we shouldn't be We take our you know, we'll make sure our gear is ready before we go. Before it goes into the boat, you know, everything's ready to go. You know, we've got, you know, everything oiled up, fixed from the weekend before, relined or whatever that is sinkers restocked you know we've got everything set up that way down to tying leaders I mean you know there you can lose a lot of time out of your pre-fishing day sitting there tying leaders and you know goofing around <laughs> if you're at a spot where you're trying to figure out how to fish them you know and you want to see if you're getting a couple pools somewhere you know you got to be ready to go well if you ain't got nothing tied on to fish with well there's 10 minutes here there's 10 minutes there next thing you know at the end of the day you wrapped up an hour and a half you know worth a waste of time you could have been looking so it's, you know, I guess I'll say just really trying to maximize all of our time and just being prepared and being organized, I guess. Yeah, that uh, eight hours
1: during that tournament just flies by.
2: <laughs> it uh, does. <laughs> and, you know, you,
1: you never, ever have enough time, ever. And uh, and that last-minute fish, you know, it always, most time it's the one that pays off. Um, could you let us know about um, – when you first hit the water in the morning, how do you uh, go ahead and see the, the way that you need to be fishing? Uh, you know, if you need to be dragging, drifting, anchoring, what bait they're going to want, how do you organize everything to, you know, to, to see what the fish want and how they're going to feed and all that stuff?
2: Well, you know that that scenario will differ a little bit by body of water. I mean, you know, certain body of waters, you know, I pretty much, you know, know what I'm going to do when I get there, you know, to a certain extent. You know, when I go down to Wheeler, you know, I know I'm pretty much, you know, there's not a lot of current, you know, at this time of year. We're going to be pulling baits, you know, dragging them through or suspending them, you know, more often than not. You know, when I go, you know, Mississippi River, we knew we were going to be, you know, either anchored down, walking baits, or you know, drifting down and bouncing. Um you know, we pretty much knew that already. It's just figuring out, you know, when like when we got down the Mississippi River. It's you know, trying to figure out, you know how, what we need is it a three ounce, four ounce, five ounce, six ounce sinker? You know, what, what do we need? That's what we got to adjust to when we get there. It's kind of, we already got our style usually determined. It's just a matter of fine tuning it. And then, you know, it's it's a matter you throw out, you know, you're dragging a pole, you're suspending a pole, you know, which one's getting more bites? You know, well, if I'm catching all my, ba- all my, of you know, uh, fish suspended. You know, obviously, I'm gonna change all six poles over to suspended for a while. You know, and, and up my odds if I'm catching them dragging. Well, I'm gonna try to put one out, you know, or two out behind the boat farther, and two right off the back, you know, so I can drag four poles, you know, down through there. You know, if I'm it just depends on what you know, what way we find out on Friday, we're getting most of the bites, and we kind of geared towards that, you know, on Saturday.
1: Yeah. What about uh, you know, you just talking about making adjustments. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, there's things that will happen that, that makes – that forces you to make adjustments even that you, that you don't want to make, as such as uh, cold fronts and current. Um, could you tell us about some uh, some major adjustments that you've made and, uh, you know, pulled off really good finishes by, by making the right decisions and the right adjustments at the right times?
2: Well, I, I... – <laughs> You know, in my opinion, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is you know everybody wants to throw out two pound of bait. <laughs> they think the bigger the bait, the bigger the fish. Um, you know me, I always look at a cold front when the pressure's up. You know, I'm always throwing smaller bait most of the time. You know, pressure's down, I'll go a little bit bigger. You know, and again, pre-fishing, you'll you'll determine that as well. But that's the thing. You know, I mean, you can be out there. Seems like one day they can be eating half skip jacks. You know, as fast as you can throw them out there. You know, next day they want the they want the smallest piece of bait you can put in front of them. We've caught a lot of forty and fifty and sixty pound fish. You know, actually on you know piece of skipjack, probably cutting you know maybe an inch, you know inch wide chunk, you know best. And we've caught a lot of fish like that. You know. Yeah, um, those are the major adjustments is usually the depth of water because, um, you know, especially, you know, if all of a sudden you're out there pre-fishing for a couple days and you get a cold front that comes through. Those fish that might have been sitting in 25 foot, might move down to 35, 40 foot on that ledge. You know, those are the major adjustments. A lot of people get too set, you know, and fish in the same spot. You got to move with the fish, I guess. That's the, that's the thing, I guess, I would kind of say. You got to move up and down with the fish.
1: All right. That's some good advice right there. All right, Lyle, um, you got anything for him?
0: I do, as a matter of fact. I've been kind of waiting on that, and you covered some of it. Um, Carl, I wanted to ask you, you know, we was talking about bait and stuff, and um, what is it that determines uh, if you change a presentation of a bait to fish? Uh, is it the fact that they're not hitting it one way or another, or is it the fact that one, you're using two different rig setups, and one's working and one's not, or... Is it uh, whether you're seeing fish suspended or on the bottom or what, what reason causes you to make an adjustment like that?
2: Well, I mean, kind of all of the above there, I mean you know, a lot of times you know like i said we'll we'll you know we'll hang out as many poles as we can if we're in a body of water that we can you know fish six rods, you know and we'll we we'll end up with some chunk, we'll end up with some head, we'll suspend some, drag some, and you know just as the day goes on, you just kind of naturally narrow that down and you know if you end up catching four fish dragging and you only got one fish suspended, we're gonna gear more towards the dragon, same with the baits, you know, I mean, we'll hang all different kinds of baits out you know we'll we'll have one pole that'll have you know slab on it we'll have another pool with a you know baby piece of bait on it we'll have a small little chunk on one we'll throw a gut pocket on one whatever you know just try to you know throw a mess out there and figure out okay they keep hitting on the the head in the big midsection today you know and we'll throw that on Saturday some days it's just chunk I mean you know I think some guys get too caught up on fishing with a head all the time and think that's what they gotta have We, you know some days they like chunk. I guess they're no different than us. someday we like this someday we like that so <laughs>
0: Exactly right. When you go to a tournament, say uh, we're going to Monsters of the Ohio, and I know that you'll be there. I feel like you will. Um, yep. How far are you willing to go from a takeoff point to fish?
2: Um, Typically, I keep a 25 mile range. Um, You know, I mean, I my boat for one. You know, it will do about 35, 38, but it ain't the fastest boat in the world. I sacrifice a little comfort for a little speed in (laughs) her. But you know, I think you know people try to overwhelm themselves again. You know, and they try to look at. You know, they they want to look at 100 miles the river. Well, you know, narrow that down. In that 25 miles, there's fish somewhere. I mean, you know, typically if I go up, I go up, or if I go down, I go down. I usually don't do both. Wherever I go from the boat ramp out, I pick a direction, and I concentrate on that area because, you know, somewhere in that 20 miles there's fish. You know, somewhere in there there is. You just got to slow down and find them, and that's – I think everybody makes that mistake. They got to – they want to fly to where they've caught fish before. Well, shoot, there's fish there somewhere. You just got to spend time looking for them.
0: Well, I agree, and I think that is all. That is very true. That that people will go to a place and they'll get on some fish, and next year they'll they'll spend the majority of the time in that area. And, st- and you know, if they're not there, they're not there.
2: They're not and, there. Yeah. yeah.
0: It doesn't matter if they're there one year. That doesn't mean they'll be there tomorrow, next week, next year. You know, and they may be, <laughs> they may be a long way away, and they just might be in deeper water or more shallow water or. Uh, up or down the river system from where you you caught them before, but uh, you know I seem to I feel like that a lot of times the the fish will be in a general area and they'll move in and out from deep to shallow water. They'll go up and down the river a little ways, but blues yep. are notorious for migrating too. So the fish that you're catching uh, this year may have not even been close to the same thing that you was catching there last year. Maybe right. a whole new family, a whole new group of fish.
2: No, and I and I agree. I think you know a lot of times you know the the fish are in the same general vicinities, like you said. You know they're they're around there fishing. You know I mean I don't know. People laugh at me sometimes because I explain it. It's no different. You know a lot of times fishing you can actually relate it to what we do every day. Look at this. Look at the state of Ohio. You know I live in. There's Columbus. There's a lot of fish in Columbus. You know Cincinnati. There's a lot of fish in Cincinnati. Well, you get outside there. There's not many. You know, same thing is going on underwater. There's areas that hold more fish than others, Then you'll go across the blank area. You'll go out in the country. There's no fish there. You know, I mean, that's kind of, you know, if you just look at it and you keep it simple. I think people overthink things, you know, but if you look around, the fish are there. Now, you just got to find them. That's it. uh,
0: Do you relate a lot of your fishing to structure of some sort?
2: Typically, yeah, Um, you know, I I like I look for structure more often than not. But you know, you also can't get hung up on that. You know, just like last weekend, we we found those fish on a mud flat. There was there was nothing. You know, the structure was down about uh, about a half mile from where we were fishing at. Um, We looked at them on Thursday, and you know, we saw quite a few fish down in the treetops down through there. Felt pretty good. When we went back on Friday, they were gone they moved up river just far enough they got on a mud flat up there and there wasn't a piece of structure up there I mean it was as flat as flat could be besides little orange dots just poking around down there I mean they were sitting right there and I mean we just went through there and just picked them off that mud flat you know all, all morning so you know sometimes you know you get stuck up on hung you know hung up on fishing the t- trees or the rock or whatever you know sometimes guys forget they just go just a little bit up from where they should be at just you know span your area a little bit you'll find them so. Yeah,
0: I, I'm a firm believer that if you found fish uh, pre-fishing and they're gone when you go into tournament day, that they're usually not very far from you. <laughs> you know, I think they'll be pretty close. Uh, a lot of times they move. If a front mussel, I've, I've noticed that a lot of times they'll be out in deeper water, uh, right. In shallow water, but they they don't generally just take off and leave the area. I don't believe.
2: I agree with that, and I mean, kind of like you said, they're, they're somewhere close by. They may not be in the same spot, but you know, will they be? You know, is a hundred yards? Is it a quarter mile? You know, they're they're usually somewhere in that vicinity. If you spend time to to find them, you'll usually find a handful of them. Sometimes a group will thin out a little bit. And, you know, you'll find them in smaller groups. You know, on a on a time like that, you may not find the you know, the the big fat group that you had, but you know, you'll find smaller little groups of four or five. You know, that you can pick off down through there and just kind of follow them on out.
0: I, I think that's a hundred percent correct. You know, you know, I talked earlier this afternoon and, and uh, um, you've had a couple different partners or two or three different partners this year um, that's that's kind of different for you. You usually fish with the same guy all the time. Would you like to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, no. Uh you know, I used to fish with Jeremy for uh years. You know, me and Jeremy have uh, been fishing together for a long time before we started fishing uh, you know, the national tournaments. We fished, you know, local tournaments on lakes here, you know, when we were a lot younger. And then uh, that's how we actually got started. Me and Jeremy were fishing a little small tournament uh at a lake called Mosquito Lake up here in Warren, Ohio that somehow was a qualifier for the King Cat Cabela's uh Championship is when the clubs could actually qualify you for the actual championship. Well, we won that tournament, you know, and we qualified to go to the Cabela's tournament, so we were just tickled to death. And we went out to Junction City, Kansas, on Lake Milford. I think there, and this will be close, I don't think it's exact, but you'll get the idea. I think there was 116 boats in that championship, and I think I came in 113th. <laughs> so, um, but uh, we fished together ever since, and then, uh, you know, Jeremy fished together with me at the beginning of this year, and he, uh, Took a job down at Clayton State University, you know, which is down by Atlanta, Georgia. So, and, you know, with his new job and everything, just made it, uh, you know, almost impossible for him to take the time off that he was able to take off at his old job. You know, just getting his, you know, roots set down there. You know, he needed to fo- he needs to focus on, you know, life and getting that taken care of first. You know, and then once he gets settled, I mean, Jeremy will be back fishing with me at some point in time.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, bud. Well, I- the guys that you've had with you this year have, have done really well. You guys must work together really good because you have, realistically, you've been one of the hottest guys on on the, uh, the going uh, this year and, and last year and I don't know for how long, but uh, you know you're you're always consistently in the top five or six or uh, three, you know. So uh, that, that's pretty good that you can pick up some guys that that you can work with like that and do so well.
2: No, I've been fortunate. Uh, Rob, uh, who's been my par- my primary partner after Jeremy Jeremy left, um, I've known Rob. We've worked together now for about fifteen years. And uh, when we started working together, we started becoming buddies. And you know, doing going deer hunting together, and we did a lot of fishing together. And you know, and, yeah, and we always get together with the family. And you know, we've been good friends. And you know, not only you know just a friendship, but working together all them years. You know, we've just developed a bond. You know, we kind of. I mean, our offices are beside each other. We just kind of read each other. So then Rob was an easy fit, and then uh, Wayne, uh, the fellow that I fished with last week, Wayne's worked with me for several years as well, and uh, we've been fishing off and on together you know for the last couple of years. He comes to Alabama with me every year. We do a, a fall trip in November usually, where we take a couple of guys down from work, and he's Wayne's always one that comes down with us. So you know, Wayne wasn't a complete newbie to the to the system either. You know Wayne's uh, done a lot of catfishing you know, locally, yeah, so he was. He was an easy one to step in as well, so I yeah, I'm pretty fortunate.
0: <laughs> Heath Malone sent us a question on chat that wants to know what your favorite bait on the fall in the fall on Rivers are.
2: Uh Skipjackhead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I kinda
2: <laughs> so it just a matter of how big.
0: <laughs> do you uh do you work trying to get fresh skipjack jack before every tournament or fresh bait every tournament or do you use froze skipjack?
2: Um, I if I will move heaven and earth to get fresh bait if it's possible. Yeah. Um, very rarely will I go with you know frozen. I mean, there's been times where it has, and I've done really well in tournaments with frozen bait. I think it's uh, you know, it depends on how the frozen bait was picked up, kept you know, and iced down and frozen and everything. To me, makes a difference. And uh, you know, if you can get some good quality bait, which I'm fortunate enough to do from some fellas out of Alabama, that uh, you know, I don't I don't mind using the frozen bait. But uh, again, you know, if, even if it's a shad tournament. Or skipjack tournament, I will move heaven and earth to get bait. You'll see me. I'll run 250 miles to get bait at times. So <laughs> uh,
0: there's times when I don't think it makes any difference. They'll eat anything, and there's other times when it has to be very specific. And it has to. be If it's not fresh, you're not going to do anything at all. And the tougher the fishing is, the more important that is to me.
2: Yeah, and I tell you, I don't mind in spring as much. You know, it seems to be in spring, you know, frozen. will you know, kind of like you said, some days it don't matter. I think frozen performs, you know, better in the spring to me. I think because you know, usually at least up around our neck of the woods, anyways. I can't speak for down south, but you know, we usually have a shad kill off. You know, usually every every early spring there, you know, sometime you know it'll warm up and get them all freaked out, and they'll move up, and all of a sudden, boom, it'll drop cold, and there's dead there's dead shad scattered all over the place. Yeah, you know that that at that time of the year, you know, it seems like they don't mind the the frozen near as much to me. But uh, you know, frozen shad, I I hardly will ever throw a frozen shad. You know, I'm I figure I can find a fresh shad somewhere, so I I won't throw frozen shad. But skipjack, I will.
0: Yeah, frozen shad, I don't even want it froze overnight. It it just gets so soft, and uh, they don't have very good bone structure in them to keep. And I really struggle with them. I have done good in a couple of tournaments when that's all that there was, you know, and nobody else had any fresh bait either, and it worked out. But as a general rule, I'd, I'd rather not even mess with it if I can keep from it. Um, or is What's the next big tournament
2: you're headed to? Um, we're actually fishing uh, Cabela's tournament this upcoming weekend. It's in Morgantown, West Virginia. <laughs> um it's uh, we've fished it for years it's close it's on the Monongahela River it's you know it's not a big fish river it's a uh, you know a couple good flatheads and some nice channels will come out of there um, but it's it's always been close to us so we fished it every year. We're going to hit that one and then uh, after that uh, looks like um, the Cabela's championship will probably be the next one there in uh, Gallatin Tennessee that will get a hit so
0: that's outstanding. Are you looking forward to going down seeing Aaron Wheatley at Monsters on the Ohio?
2: You know, you know we are. Yep, we'll be down there. I'd I'd like to sneak in and do a little pre-fishing uh, down there, see if I can't do a little better. I seems seems to be I can catch fish everywhere else in the world, but Owensboro and uh, I had a good one last year that I lost, but uh, we'll see if I can't do something different this year. Because right now that's the one one tournament that I've struggled in. That you know how you always got that one that just seems to whoop you. That's been mine, and I'm bound to turn to do halfway decent in it sooner or later. <laughs>
0: You know, we, we do a lot of travel and go to a lot of tournaments, and I know you do, and uh, that is, to me, that's the most fun event that we do every year, and uh, we don't do really good down there either, and I'm not a fan of, of no current situations. I don't like lake fishing, and I don't like rivers that don't have current, but if there was ever a more fun place to go, to be around some of the best people in catfish, and I haven't found it yet.
2: No, no. I mean, like you know, when I when we first started fishing some of the championships, you used to get a similar turnout, you know, and get a hundred boats and get meet all the people. But those, you know, the national trails have kind of you know, faded down a little bit. You know, Aaron's put together a good thing, and he's proved to the world, you know, if you put together a good tournament, you run it right, you take care of things, people will come. You know, I mean, you just think if you know. Think if Aaron had a body of water like you know Wheeler or you know on the Mississippi River where they were pulling big hogs out. You think you know think of the people that would show up then. I mean look at the turnout we get now. I mean woo wee that thing could be a monster, really be a monster.
0: Absolutely, absolutely could. He, and he he worked so hard at at making that work work for him, and uh, the whole community is behind him. He just couldn't ask for a better deal. But I you know I've talked to George Young a couple of times and. I really believe that he has got it going on down there, and I, I look for that to be a huge event. I uh, can't hardly wait to get down there. I've never fished that far down on the Mississippi River, and I've fished the Mississippi River my whole life, but I've never been that far down it. So I'm excited about being there and, and uh, you know, seeing how that turns out because I cannot imagine uh, that area known for producing big fish and having the weigh-in there at that Bass New Bass Pro shop, that that uh, not be an outstanding event.
2: That, like I said, I'm looking forward to that because uh, you know that time of year, that tournament could be just you know on fire. And I mean, yeah, like you said, the appeal of being able to weigh in in front of Bass Pro. That you know, I mean, you you can have a pretty big turnout down there, and that could be you know, for for the guys weighing in, that could be a big thrill, and it also could be you know for the people watching down there. I mean, that's that place is liable to produce an eighty to hundred pound catfish. You know, it's liable to produce a few of them down there as possible. So, it, I mean, for people watching the weigh-in, that could be real some real exciting.
0: Isn't that the uh, the place? Is the same general area as where those two hundred pounders was caught a few years ago in that tournament down there.
2: I, I believe so. I believe so. I don't
0: know exactly where, but I know that uh, that they they put two of them in the boat, one uh, one 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 day and one the next day. And yep. um, Harold Dodd is is one of my favorite people in the whole world. And Harold put one of them in the boat. And uh, oh shoot, I can't think of the other guy's name you'd think i can remember his name
2: yeah i can't remember his name off the top of my head
0: but he you know he put the other one in the boat and there was one one day and one the next that you know so there there's more down there it's not there oh, wasn't yeah. only two big fish in that area and uh, i just i'm very excited to, for that to, to come to play and uh i really think Locked that the? what's that <laughs> I, really, no, I was
2: starting to, start to lose
0: there. Oh, <laughs> I think that, that guys like Aaron and George that they're going uh, out of their way to to make things better for uh, for uh, the, the tournament fishermen, and and I think that's really really a good thing um, because. You know, I'm, I'm seeing some of the bigger trails kind of lose their appeal for whatever reason. Yeah, Phil King's the other guy. I don't know why I couldn't remember. But, uh, you know, uh, thanks, Justin. But, um, you know, for some reason, they're not getting the number of boats and different reasons, and I have my thoughts about that, but that's neither here nor there. But these guys are putting together huge events, uh, and they're doing it without really – the experiences some of the other guys has got but now Aaron has like I said long ago he has got some of the greatest people in the world behind him he promotes this thing year round and he does a really good job and i think George will be the same way i know that Aaron and George have talked so uh, i this is just me talking but i would not surprise me if that tournament next year doesn't come out with the biggest turnout Ever been in a
2: catfish tournament? And it's it's got a real possibility. Like you said, I think George. I you know I don't know George real well personally. I get to see him at the tournaments here and there. He seems like a real nice fella, and I know he's a he, he's he's a die-hard cat fisherman And um, if anybody will get it done, I'm sure he can. And it uh, seems like he's well on his way. And I mean that that's what it takes. You know, it it takes passion. You know, and it seems like you know. I know Aaron. You know, it's it's not being selfish. He does, Aaron's not looking for anything out of it. He's looking to build a good tournament. You know, he's not looking to try to figure out how to make money. This, that, and the other. He's doing it because of his passion for catfishing. You know, and a lot of times, you know, people kind of uh, they they forget about that a little bit. You know, and uh, you know, forget why we're here. <laughs> so That's
0: right. You know, and and some of these guys that that don't believe that that is a job to put some kind of like that on needs to try it sometime because I'm telling you right now that's as hard a work as you could imagine doing uh, for no recognition at all. I mean (laughs) nobody ever say uh, you know anything about how great it was or or rarely they do. I won't say they never do. But you know these guys that put on these events whether it be uh, Aaron or George or Cabela's or you know That's a a big deal to make these events happen of any size, you know, other than a a monthly tournament here or there, and even those are a lot of work. (laughs) To, to do them correctly to where you don't have much problems so
2: no i i i don't think people realize i mean especially the you know the, the thing aaron has got going on down there i mean you know like you said the year round promoting he's always involved the planning that goes into that you know it's not something you just wake up on Saturday morning and throw together i mean that's he's got <laughs> you know he's got a lot of people involved in that you know mapping it out he's just taking the steps that you know if, and I don't understand why you know some of the <laughs> Unfortunately, the National Trails haven't looked and seen some of the things that he does. And, you know, I mean, you know, part of business is, you know, you, you look at what somebody else is doing better than you and you figure out how to do it the same or better, you know. And that's just one thing. I don't understand why they're not trying to put these vents together just a little bit better. And I think they've drawn the boats. I mean, you look what Aaron's doing. I mean, that trail out there, I, um, I know Brad Kirkpatrick puts on out there in uh, Kansas City. I know that one's a big one. I've never got to fish it. But, uh, you know, the turnout he gets out there is, just, you know, pretty phenomenal as well.
0: It is. Brad does a really good job. He takes care of his fish. He takes care of everything. And I'm not saying that there's not some things that happen because there's going to be things that happens everywhere. But Brad works extremely hard to make Kansas City catfishing what it is, and he's done a really good job. Uh, he gets some big crowds. He, he, you know, if he was more than just in his general area, Uh, I could see Brad competing with the big guys, actually, uh, and and I don't mean this bad, and I hope them guys don't misunderstand me, but he runs that better than a lot of the big trails do. You know, he does a really good job. He spends his time, puts his his time in to make it happen, and and that's what Aaron's doing. That's what George is going to do. You know, these guys are, are... and, and that's why when, when you see the national trails have 15 boats or something like that, and uh, Brad will go out uh, to Waverley or Brunswick and he'll have a hundred or 150 boats. The, the reason is because he's taking care of his fishermen. He's taking care of the the sponsors, the people that's putting the added money. He's taking care of the people and he's running them correctly. And, and sure, he makes some people mad. Some of them make him mad. That's just life. I mean, uh, some of them going to get mad. It doesn't matter. He's still doing a good job, and that's the reason he gets participation that he does.
1: That Winter yeah. Blues is going to be big also.
0: Daniel's winter Blues, that Daniel Parsons is, is just doing really good things, and uh, I, I'm so happy to be affiliated with that Winter Blues on Wheeler. I'm looking really looking forward to being down there, and this time maybe I can get out of the boat ramp. I bust a key off of my boat. I mean,
1: <laughs> people didn't even know about it last year. I mean, Phil um, Key. Even know about it to the week before, and you know, as guys were hearing about it, they were going for sure. So, uh, I think this year it's going to be really
0: good. I do too, I do too. It was a lot of fun last year. Justin Wolf's got a question or two for you, Carl. He wants to know what your favorite hook is, your favorite reel, and if you prefer walking baits uh, or any other style of fishing over the other.
2: Uh, favorite hook is Daiichi. Um, D85 slide offset, um, Real Abu Garcia 7000. Um, I'm an Abu Garcia baby. Um, I don't know how many 7000s I got out there. Um, <laughs> I love them. They're 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 tough as nails. If they just if you, you put a little glue on those set screws on the side, you don't have to worry about those coming out. Those reels are tough as nails. I like those. Um, and uh, what was the third question?
0: I uh, wanted to know, if, if uh, what style of drifting you like? Dead sticking, walking baits, you know, or if you prefer that oh, specifically over anchored fishing or something else?
2: Well, I, I prefer drift, fish, drift fishing over anchor fishing. I'd say 95% of the time I'm probably drifting. Right. Um, now, the style of drifting, I will, you know, that that'll be depending on the water that I'm fishing. You know, um, you know, I, I I don't mind any of them really. Um, I like walking bait. There's there's nothing like walking some bait back and getting a big old fifty or sixty slamming on it. You know, but uh, you know, also you know, sometimes you know, drifting, uh, you know, suspended is where they're at. And I mean, you know, there's also something about drifting down through there and just watching that rod. You know, it's got sitting over there, 90 degrees outside of the boat, just hit the water. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's something about that too. So, I mean, drift fishing is the way to go for me. But uh, you know, the style, like I said, that really is determined by which body of water I'm on. So, I I have an anchor in my boat. And you you ask anybody, they laugh all the time, and they, they don't even think I own one. Because <laughs> because, I mean, even in, even in the wintertime, I'm still drifting. So, you know, I know there's the, the theory you can't drift and catch fish, you know, under 50 degrees. But uh, I, I'm here to tell you that's, that's, that's wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, do you uh, take a lot of people out and show them how to back bounce and, and walk baits and stuff?
2: Um, I've had a few people out, but I mean, I, I can't say I've had a lot of people out on the boat, but I mean, I've talked a lot of people in the parking lot and try to give them, you know, try to give them all the information I can, you know, because, you know, I, I, I know when I first started you know, some of the guys, you know, I, I wasn't very good and didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, you know, just like I said, I learned a lot staying at a tailgate of a truck at five o'clock, you know, or 11 o'clock at night uh, talking to people, you know, I tried to do the same for guys, you know, I tried to give them all the information I can. So I try to, I try to, I try to give them it's not the same as being out on the water but you know at least it'll help narrow some things down for them a little bit
0: absolutely well the point i was getting at is one of the best the most favorite things is to for me is to have somebody that's never been out and showing them how to bounce behind the boat as you're drifting down that river and a, even if it's a 20 or 30 hit that thing and, and watch them because they think that rod's gone Yep. Yeah. When they slam into it, they think it's gone, and, man, the look on their faces is simply amazing. I enjoy that as much as I've seen them catch the fish because they can't believe how much power that fish has got. And they're trying to hold on to that rod. They forget about reeling. It's just a matter of self-defense <laughs> from losing it, you know.
2: Well, and see, I've I've actually had you know with that I've you know with Wayne and Rob I've I've taken both of them on their first trip down the Mississippi. Uh, Rob went with me um, a couple years ago and fished the uh, Bass Pro Championship because uh, Jeremy couldn't make it, um, so he got a chance to go down there. That was his first trip to Mississippi, and yeah, when when he you know he was figuring out you know started out you know kind of bouncing the. the <laughs> right behind the boat, and he started figuring out how to get it out. Yeah, that's uh, – I got to see him catch – I think he got a 40 that trip down there, and I know he was tickled to death. And then Wayne, a uh, fellow that was with me this weekend, this was his actual um, second trip to the Mississippi. He went to Crystal City and fished with me once before, and then he got down there, and you figure pre-fishing, he nailed that 53. And, yeah, that uh, – you know, being, being with both those guys on their first trips, you know, down to the Mississippi, I mean, that was that was fun time. You
0: betcha. bet you let's see we got another question in here from Scott Woody what size line do you use and do you prefer braid or mono
2: I I use braid I use Sussex uh, 832 braid um, 80 pounds and uh, usually use um, 50 pound uh, mono leader. I I run cajun line for my mono leader, and I run 50 pound cajun. And then uh, depending on what body of water I'm fishing, I've got several different. Uh, if I'm dragging or using a three way, you know, my, on my sinker line, I've got you know some some 20 and some 30 pound, and I got some heavier stuff like me use down in Mississippi on my leader line. So.
0: Do you uh you say you always use Cajun for your leaders?
2: Yep, I I mean that's what I like. You know, I think you put ten people in a room, you get ten different opinions on leader line. But uh, that's always been it's been tough for me, and I don't lose fish on it, so I'm happy with it. But it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer. If something is working, there's no sense of trying. You know, and I'll always try stuff, but I usually end up going back for something I've never had any issues with because uh, like you say, if it ain't broke, there ain't no sense of messing with it. Just keep on doing what you're doing and and, uh, that works out the very best for me.
2: Well, you know, again, it's, you know, when, you know your rods, you know, once you figure out, you know, your rod, your reel, your, your line and everything set up, don't worry about it. You know, if, if you don't need to change it, don't worry about it. A lot of guys, oh, there's a new leader line, i want to go use this. Well, you know, you're, again, you're taking time away from actually focusing on, you know, if you're tournament fishing, you're taking time away from trying to figure out, you know, the water you're on, you're worried about your rod, your equipment, you know, focus on the fishing. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just try to... I don't try to overthink anything. I don't try to overcomplicate it. I just, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of people fishing for a lot of years before us, and they've been catching a lot of fish. Yeah, you try to do new things and get better at the techniques that they've already established, but that's just it. Somebody else has already established most of the techniques. You just need to fine tune yourself with them.
0: I agree, a hundred percent. I really do. That's that's uh. Some, do you, when you're back bouncing, are you using circle hooks, or are you using different style hooks?
2: No, I'm using circle hooks. Back, so. back. Yep, yep. Okay. No, I, I, I bounce it right back to them, and you just hold that rod in your hand and just let them take it.
0: I've done it that way. I, there's something about when they hit that, I just like to you know, lay it on a little bit.
2: <laughs> and see, I, I just kind of, you know, as I've been teaching the guys, you know, once they feel that little tap and then it gets ready to go, you know, you just hold it. You don't move. You just, you know, just kind of pretend you're the rod holder. and You just hold, just hold it and that circle hook will set itself.
0: That's and, exactly you know. what happens. That, that's for sure. It's, they're a lot of fun. Uh, back bouncing is, is fun to do. And if the fish are cooperating with you and you get into several of them a day, it's a ton of fun. Uh, and and I believe that it's like anything else you just present the bait in front of so many more fish than any other way I know of to fish that it works very well you know it just does but there's some some days that uh, we just don't you know for whatever reason and last weekend was one of them the water was dropping and fish was tough and uh, you know not this past weekend weekend four and You know, we anchored up on fish and done really well, but, uh, you know, there's days when anchor fishing just don't produce and and, uh, you're just wasting your time. Uh, I like walking baits. I really do, but sometimes that doesn't work for me either, and and that's where you have to adapt and go to a different uh, outline of things, and uh, maybe your rig's wrong. Maybe you need to use a, a... float or something. is suspended a little higher off the bottom. And, and I think people are afraid to try things. But if you're not in, if you're in fish and they're not biting, I believe that you have, there's a reason they're not. And it's, A lot of times I think it's because the bait's just not presented to them the way they want it.
2: No, and that's just it, and that's kind of you know you know pre-fishing. You you know you got to throw out a lot of different styles, you know, and you got to figure out which one of those is working. I agree. Bait presentation is you know it's key. You know whether you're dragging it, whether you know like you said, you know whether you got to float on it, you know lifting it up off the bottom, whether you're suspending it, you know you you got to figure out you know which way is you know turning them on that day. I mean because you what worked for you Friday. I mean I've I've out there and you know drag around and catch fish, you know, Wheeler, you know pulling. Baits, you know, fifty yards behind me, caught them all day long. Went out there and did the same thing the next day. Couldn't catch a fish, but you know they'd moved up. And, you know they were they were hitting suspended bait that day. You know, I mean it's, you know they 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 do change. You know, I mean sometimes it's overnight. Sometimes you can follow the same pattern for two weeks. You know, I mean I I haven't figured that part out yet to explain to you why that that happens like it does. But it just you know um, you know you just got to be open minded when it comes to it. You know, but yet but you still you know you, you still don't want to overthink it. The guys really overthink it a lot. you know you got to have your four or five you know styles you know, and, and try to get good at those different ways of fishing because I mean some guys spread themselves so thin they know how to fish all of them, but they're not any good at any of them.
0: I agree, I agree. and, and the ones that's got it figured out in two or three ways, uh, you know they're always going to be on fish and do really well and um, what works one day, may not work the next day and if you're able to adapt and find what's working each individual day I think you're ahead of
2: the game <laughs> yeah and, that, and that's just a trick because you know I mean and I think we're all we all do it sometimes we get stubborn and you know we we're setting our ways to a certain extent and we you know they're, they're gonna bite this with you know, they're gonna they're gonna hit it you know and then <laughs> come 10 o'clock in the morning you start thinking well maybe I was wrong you know and you start you know switching up at that point but uh no, I mean, that's just it. I think guys just, you know, just try some things, be open-minded, you know. I mean, like you said, some guys try too much, some guys won't try nothing. <laughs> so just find a happy medium of it all, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Justin wants to know if you've ever had them drop the bait before your rod loads up with a circle hook and not being able to set the hook.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had them pick the bait up before and, you know, and, and mouth it and, you know, give it a pull and then drop it all of a sudden. Um, you know, I mean, but I've had them do the same thing, you know, dragging, you know, you, they'll they'll pick up on it. Some days it just seems like they, they can feel that, you know, that, that they feel that tension on that line more than others. I don't know. And they I mean, they drop it quicker. But yeah, I've, you know, I mean, I've had them do that. Yes.
0: Yeah, I have too. I, but I've had them do that with, with regular hooks. Before you could jerk it, you know, try to set the hook, they, they didn't turn loose of it. You're just grabbing bare water or whatever.
1: Hey Lau, I got a quick question for him.
0: Lay it on us.
1: Hey, uh, on, on the circle hooks, do, do you buy a, a circle hook that has a slight tip offset, or do you, do you bend your own offset in the hook?
2: I I buy them; they're already offset. So, and uh, you know that those, you know, I mean, have worked fine for me. I mean, I, you know. I, yeah, you, you know, I miss a fish once in a while and don't hook up, but, uh, you know, I mean, I can't tell you I know, but, you know, it, we, we hook up more often than not. It hasn't been a problem. We used to use the Gamatsu hooks for a long time, and uh, and then I, I kind of fell out with them, you know, about five years ago. I just, uh, they, they started making them cheaper and cheaper, and it just seemed like, uh, you know, they just weren't they weren't the same as they were when it first came out. And I switched over those Daiichis and, uh, you know, I mean, for me, I've, I've been a happy guy and I mean, I've tried some other hooks, you know, and, uh, I've got a few other ones in the tackle box that I've had, but I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Daiichi kid all the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I told myself that I, I would never buy a circle hook with an offset in it cause I, I really can't stand gut hook and all that. But this past weekend, uh, offset my hooks for the first time and uh, i mean it was just an unbelievable difference in the hookup ratio yeah i, mean, I, I still had a couple a couple of uh takedowns that you know i, I didn't get but my, my percentage rate just jumped straight up um you know so you know if everybody else is doing it you're gonna have to jump on the bandwagon and do it and just maybe not do it when you're fun fishing or whatever but if, if people's offsetting their hooks during tournaments and You know, getting away from, uh, you know, not taking a chance on gut hook, and I guess I'm going to have to do it too. (laughs) It it really helped this weekend. It did big time. So uh, I'm a true believer in it now.
2: Yeah, no, I've, I've always liked the, the slide offset, you know. I mean, that's just, you know, I've tried several different ones, and that just always seemed to be the one that, you know, I had a higher hookup with. And, you know, kind of like anything, you, you know, you try a handful of stuff and you narrow it down to the one you like. And, I mean, that's, I mean, I just, heck, I just called, I just set up. Uh, bottom dwellers will send me a bunch last night because I was running low after that Mississippi River trip <laughs> we went down there and we, we was struggling on Thursday a little bit trying to fish some timber and uh, I think we donated more lead and hooks than we did anything in the first three hours <laughs> if, if, oh yeah if, if
1: you get on fish and, and you know they're down there on that, uh, on that tree or whatever and you, and you get hung up do you go ahead and just cut your line with scissors or do you shake that tree and take a chance on uh, you know them fish running off
2: yeah, we we like to break our line off as soon as possible. If fish are down there, and you know we don't, I mean you don't want to go pulling on that tree too hard. I mean them, them fish ain't going to be there no longer. I mean, especially I mean, depending on how big of a tree it is, whatnot. You know that eighty pound braid, pretty tough stuff. And I mean a lot of times we'll break off chunks of trees, right. you know, and end up pulling up a chunk with it. You know, and after that you're not you're not going to circle back around and catch those fish. Right. You know, it just you know, I mean if it is, it's going to be a little while later. I mean you know, you spooked them out of that area, and so not to mention it's it's hard on your equipment as well, too. Right. You, know, so, so. you, know, uh, you just recommend the guys
1: to, uh, you know, break that line and uh, go ahead and tie another one and get it back down there instead of just mm-hmm. spending a lot of time on trying to get it out and scaring the fish off.
2: That That's my opinion on it, you know, and I mean, you know, I've seen guys that, you know, that, that cut them with scissors. I've seen guys that, you know, if you're drifting, it's got to, you know, 10-inch piece of old garden hose that you just take and you just twist around the line right above the reel real quick so the tension you know, is pulling on that garden hose as opposed to pulling on the actual reel because I mean you know I, I tore up a lot of 7,000 you know, Abu Garcia's you know on the Mississippi River you know with a dead stick hanging out getting snagged up and next thing you know look back and it's I mean it's just cranking on that reel and there ain't a whole lot you can do about it so you know um, you're just better off you know to be prepared to cut it and you know, or break it whatever method you want to use
1: just have all your stuff ready to tie on quick and you don't waste hardly any time
2: now we usually you know, like this one we I think we had uh, 20 leaders tied up uh, in the kitty ready to go for tournament day you know you had new ones already on the poles ready to go because you know we, we were walking some baits and uh, so you know we had to pull was walking we had the backup pole strung up so that way if we did break off it would just sit that one down you know slap a new piece of bait on the other one back in the water because when you're in the zone and when you're in them fish you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, I mean, shoot, we wasn't hitting but about, a, I mean, it couldn't have been three, four hundred yard little section, you know, where we're banging all the fish. You know, and on the Mississippi River, you can be in that little spot and out of it before you know what's going on. So, you know, yeah. we ended up uh, having everything uh, ready to roll so we could just, you know, pop it right back down in there. So, yeah, we always have things tied up ready.
1: Yeah, well, when, when the fish quit biting, do, do you uh turn around and go back through them as many times as it takes?
2: <laughs> As, we, we didn't leave that uh, section of the river all day we fished it from six thirty to 2 o'clock the other day never left it so
1: I, that. <laughs> good there. I appreciate it that's what guys need to hear
0: that's, that's, that's great information um, Jason Mitchell wants to know what your favorite area is to drift on a river
2: oh man that's that's a tough one uh, you know usually um i i like to start you know on the river um you know depending on which you know which river that's a hard one man i i i go out you know if it's a new river like down here i mean i started looking in the bins you know for the fish you know that's usually where i'll start at um, yeah, you i know, work my way on down into the straightaway. You know, cause, I mean, not, they're not always in the corners like everybody thinks. You know, I mean, I've caught a lot of fish that you know are sitting out there in the straightaways that people just drive right by. Um, so you know, that's a tough question, but I'd say I'd start in the corners, and you know, and I usually start in about uh, anywhere from 30 to 60 foot of water, depending on where I'm at. You know, I'll start. I usually don't go no shallower than that. I'm I'm a deep water type of guy. You know, I usually you know start 30 as my shallowest. So right.
0: Uh, Greg's in chat wants to know, what kind of boat do you use? Uh,
2: 2008 uh, Triumph Center Console with a 150 Yamaha on it.
0: That's, that's like uh, Justin said, made a post on here that he, that's a large bay boat. And that is basically what it is, isn't it? What's that? A bay boat. Large yeah,
2: yeah, it's a large bay boat basically. It's just uh, it's got a deeper V on it, you know, than a bay boat. You know, it's got a good V haul on it, and then it's got kind of the, the the flat bottom back on it because it's only got an 18 inch draft, but yet it's got a big nose to cut through the waves. So, like I said, it, you know, we I bought it up on Lake Erie. You know, it's made to tolerate you know some pretty windy conditions, and that's one reason I got it. Like I said, I sacrifice speed for comfort. You know, it, it's a safe boat being out there on you know any of the rivers. You know, it can take a beating. You know, I'm not worried about anybody falling out of it. You know, it just it you know to me it's just it's safe and I'd rather sacrifice a shade of safety for you know the fastest boat in the tournament. You know, and if you nail down your water, you don't need the fastest boat in the tournament.
0: Well, that's, that's you know you're not the first person that said that. Uh, Casey Tudor is another uh, prime example of that. Casey and John LeMaster they're very successful and they don't have a big fast boat. But they do a lot of women.
2: <laughs> yep, no, Casey and they're, they're they're good tough guys. I I don't get to see them much, but at Monsters, but uh, yeah, that, that guy is always on some good fish. <laughs> oh,
0: he is, and he good guys. I mean, both of them, they're just really good guys. Um, I see them every year down at Monsters, and it's always good to see them guys and uh, very polite, Kurdish young men. It's the kind of people we're proud to have into catfishing. I I got a. Ask you a question that really is doesn't it pertains to fishing but it doesn't really pertain to fishing. You know I I know that you're at all these tournaments and you know all the Jeff Dodds and you know all the uh, Massengill brothers and all these guys. Who do you think is the biggest character in all catfish? Just a just a character.
2: Um. That'd probably be Jeff Dodd <laughs> Jeff Jeff Dodd, uh, you know, I tell you, he's always a hoot to be around. Um, you know, I enjoy fishing with him, and uh, you know, I mean, I'd say 99% of the time that man's got a smile on his face, and doesn't matter if he's win or lose, it's a happy guy, and he's usually having some kind of fun. So he, he is, he's probably my favorite character. <laughs> he
0: is. A, he's a great guy. We had him on the show, one of the best shows. He was really on Daryl and Jason, you know, and and uh, it was so much fun. Um, I hope that when we get to the monsters of the Ohio, and I don't know if you real know this or not, but uh, last year we done a live show out of the, um, the bait store down there, and we're gonna do it again. Uh, Bass and Moore was nice enough to ask us to come back down there. We'll be doing that. We're going to try to do it live. We videotaped it out of there, and we done a show at the Ramada Inn last year. And we're going to try to do a live one out of out of Bass and Moore uh, if we can get everything to work and the internet connection strong enough. And uh, I, I would love to have you on. I know Chuck and I would be just thrilled if you'd come on live with us down there. But if we could get um, Jeff Dodd and Daryl and Jason on at the same time. Can you imagine what kind of show that would be?
2: <laughs> that would be a riot. Cause yeah, <laughs> I I don't know that there's a tournament. Jeff isn't giving Daryl and Jason some kind of static. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they gotta be at the tournament sometimes, and he's still calling them, giving them static. It seems like
0: <laughs> they wasn't on the show when he was on the show, and they was very polite and they talked very nice about Jeff, and and he did about them too. But I mean, when we asked him about them boys, I mean, he got on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the most fun shows that we did, probably.
1: But. Yeah, I, it's, it just it's so bad that uh, you know work gets in the way of you know things that people could do. You know the the Massingales, they had the uh, number one uh, launch position last year and was unable to make it because one of them couldn't get off work. So yeah, um,
2: now they I I heard they couldn't make it this uh, last week there um, to Covington because um, of work. I know that's a challenge. I mean, cause uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you hate to you hate to not see them come because you love to fish against guys like that, and you know, cause I mean, it's fishing against guys like Jeff Dodd, Larry Muse, Daryl and Jason. You know. I mean, I used to come to these tournaments and just get my tail whooped, and, you know, I'd go home and you know, I'd be at the bottom of the pack, but I'd, I'd always go to weigh in, no matter if I caught a fish or not. Even if it was zero, one, or two, I'd go weigh it in just so I could stand there and I could talk to those guys, even if it was for five <laughs> minutes. You know, <laughs> so just so I could learn a little bit from them, figure out what in the heck I was doing wrong, you know. And, I mean, you know, those guys were, like I said, were nice enough. To, you know, they give me, they, they don't, no, by far, did they tell me any secrets or anything? They just, you know, they give you a little tidbit here. Here or there that you'd say, huh? That makes sense, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I,
1: I would go watch Phil King weigh in uh, and not even fish the tournament and stand there and ask him questions. <laughs> <laughs> I just show up to watch the weigh-in and uh, yeah, it's, it's good, good stuff being able to do that.
2: Yeah, Phil King. uh, You know, we we used to idolize Phil King. You know, he was the man in catfishing when we were younger. He was catching all those fish, and uh, you know, I remember we was the first time we went down to Wilson Pickwick Lake. We we wasn't fishing a tournament or anything. We was just learning how to catfish. We couldn't catch a fish down there to save our tail. Sean, uh, Jeremy's brother, was fishing with us. He emails. Uh, he gets on Phil King's website and he emails. Him and asks for help. How how can we catch fish down here? <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh, he'll help you any way he can.
2: Yeah, he will. He's he's a very good guy as well. So I enjoy seeing Phil and Tim at the tournaments. Uh, you know, no matter you know how good or bad they do, they always walk around. They shake everybody's hand they can. I mean, they're real good people.
1: Oh, yeah, I, 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 learned, I learned that from him, and I try to do the exact same thing just because I've seen him do it. I'll do you believe, everybody that I hand. believe
0: that that is one of the things that separate the catfishing uh, groups from some of the other sports? What's that? Do you believe that the camaraderie and the, the courtesy towards each other is one thing that separates the catfishing bunch away from some of the others?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think, you know, I think we all got a lot of work to do, you know, and because uh, there's still just too much, uh, you know, there's too many groups, there's not, there's not enough, you know, unity, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if, if we could just all get along, you know, I think catfishing could really be big, but, you know, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of great People, um, you know, through catfishing, I got a lot of people that I can call friends all across the United States now that uh, you know otherwise wouldn't have. You know, and I got a lot of people that I can hang up and I call right now if I needed something. Would you know, give me all the help they could. You know, I mean, good people. So yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: I think so too. Well, listen, Carl, we appreciate you taking your time to be on Catfish Weekly with us so much. It was outstanding having you on here. And uh, if you get a chance to. Uh, be on the show with us live down at the uh, Bass and more in Owensboro. Uh, uh, probably be Thursday before the tournament. We'd sure like to have you on there, and uh, whoever's going to be fishing that with you, bring them on, and we, we'd love to visit with you a little bit. I think it'd be uh, really good. We hopefully we can get everybody. We had a bunch on last year and had a really good time, and uh, try to get a bunch more on and do that. And, and I can't thank you enough for being on the show and and uh, uh, taking your time away from what you, you're doing to, to to share your information with all of us.
2: Well, I appreciate the invite, Lyle and Chuck. It was a pleasure joining you guys as well. And uh, yeah, you know, let's uh, talk before Owensboro. I'll stop by Bass More. I was actually down in Bass and More uh, a couple years ago, um, doing a little thing. So I'm familiar with them folks. They're a real good place down there as well. Um, so yeah, I don't mind stopping by and seeing you down there sometime.
0: Oh, that'd be great. Listen. Down
1: here to Gunnersville and show me some
2: stuff, man. (laughs) (laughs) I need a top five in this one. Uh, You got some good competition down there with Old Bridges and Mitchell, and uh, that's some tough water down there. (laughs) Oh, it is.
0: Well, listen, Carl. You know, I know you got some sponsors and stuff. If you'd like to thank any of them or mention them or anything, uh, we'll give you a few minutes here to go through whatever you need to do, and. Again, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight.
2: Thank you very much again, Lyle. And uh, you no, know, I'd like to say thanks to Ken Latrell with uh, Fat Boy Custom Rods. Um. Ken builds a good rod, and uh, he's a good fellow himself. Also, Steve Douglas with Monster Rod Holders. Um, you know, those are two uh, products that I believe in. I started using uh, Monster Rod Holders when I first started catfishing, fishing, and uh, you know, I I like the rod holder, and I think uh, Steve's done some good things with it. And uh, like I said, I love those two pieces. Uh, you know, Ken builds a good pole for me, and keeps me stocked with them, and because uh, I'm hard on equipment as much fishing as I do, so he 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 does a good job taking care of me. <laughs> so thanks to those fellows
0: well that's great I know Kenny myself he's an outstanding guy uh, you know we've talked on the phone a few times I met him at some tournaments and uh, you know he'd ask me questions I'd help him all I can and I feel that if I had a question that I needed him to help me with that he would do so and, uh, and from my personal opinion of Kenny Luttrell um he is one of the, the. Not only is he a great rod builder, he's a great fisher. Uh, Kenny does very well in a lot of tournaments his, himself, and uh, it, they're just good people. I mean, well,
2: if, and, and that's that's part of the reason why I'm with Fat Boy uh, Lyle. <laughs> you know, is uh, it's it's not for what he can do for me. I mean, you know, people always say, well, gosh, you could probably get this sponsor, you could get that sponsor, you could do this. You know, I'm not really, you know, trying to figure out how many people I can, you know, slap on my boat and you know get all their names and see who's going to pay for what. You know, Um, you know, I I just really like the people, and that's that's number one to me. Is you know, is you know, before I'll say anything about the product, I got to believe in it, and I got to believe more in the people that I'm that I'm dealing with there just as much. So.
0: He's he's a he's top notch guy. I think in the world and There There's some of the builders that think they're catfish rod builders. It's not what they think they are. Kenny Latrell's not that kind of guy. If he tells you something, that's the way it's going to be. And I know he's a busy guy. Uh, believe me, we we've talked about that time and time again. He stays busy, makes good product, and, and, and that's the kind of thing. I know Chuck had said something about you know you had a different sponsor. It doesn't matter. That, I mean, this this show is about promoting catfishing and the great people in the sport, and uh, Kenny's one of them. We were so pleased to have you on the show tonight, and uh, thanks again for, for taking your time and doing it.
2: No, Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Chuck,
0: you got any closing statements?
2: No, I'm good for tonight. There's
1: not too much going on in the next couple of weeks. So.
0: Okay. We've got uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors is having a tournament at Columbia Bottoms in St. Louis Saturday Uh, be a night tournament start at 7 o'clock Saturday night and 7 o'clock Sunday morning this is the makeup tournament that is this is the second time it's been rescheduled everybody kept wanting to to get this tournament in so there's your chance to go to to St. Louis I believe it's I'm hearing it's a little tough down there uh, but you know the the fish are always there they're always on at Missouri they're always on at Mississippi so if you want to get into a night tournament come down there and fish Danny McGraw I don't. Sorry, I don't have the information on hand here. I'll have it for next week. Is having a fishing for autism tournament coming up the 29th, I believe, and I'll get all the information and have that lined up for us next week. Uh, It's a good cause. If anybody gets a chance to go up there, they have been laying out some great fish on that Missouri River uh, from the western half of Missouri all year long. So uh, there'll be some great fish caught up there. So if you get a chance, go up there and fish that. I believe that's all I have for this week. I want to thank everybody in chat and thank everybody for watching the show. Carl, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you all down the road. With that, that's it for the show. We'll see y'all next week.